Hello, hello. I am Karen Jean-François, and this is the Women in Data podcast, a podcast where every other week I interview some of the most inspiring women working in data. They discuss how data is used in various industries, share their knowledge and experience in the field, and equip you with tips to help you overcome challenges on your career and feel great. Let's get straight to it. I am joined today by Alison Williams, Head of Data Management and Governance at Dunhamby. Having come to data from a non-STEM background, Alison faced various challenges in her career. One of them being the fact that while most of her colleagues were taking a detail-oriented approach to problem solving, she was coming in from a different perspective, more focused on people. Over time, she realized that this was a strength, and in this episode, she talks about the importance of diversity of thoughts and personalities within a team. She also shares tips to improve collaborations with colleagues who have a different personality type. You might notice in this episode that my voice is a bit nasal. That is because I forgot that in England, you can have all four seasons in one day. And I decided to go hiking in t-shirt. Big mistake. Apologies for the inconvenience. Let's listen to Alison. Hi, Alison. Hi, morning, Karen. Thank you so much for joining me on the Women in Data podcast. It's been a while since we last connected, (laughs) but we are here and I am so pleased to have you on the podcast. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. (laughs) Before we start and get into today's topic, could I invite you to introduce yourself? Yeah, my name's Alison Williams. I work for a company called Dunhumby, which I think probably a lot of your listeners will have heard of us. So we're a data science company and we work mainly with retailers. So up until two, three days ago, my role was global head of data at Dunhumby. So I ran a large global team of different data practitioners. So ranging from data engineering through to technical account management, data propositions, data consulting, and also we had a a technical deployment team. But I'm just in the process of transitioning to a new role, which is really a kind of subject matter expert role, SME role, um, leading a program around data management and governance across the business. All right. That sounds quite different from the role you're doing right now. What exactly will be the differences? It's um, Although it's still in the data space, it is a very different role and will be very different day to day. So my previous role heading up the data team was really focused on ensuring that we are providing the right services to our clients. We understand uh, what products and services we're delivering to them. And then we were fulfilling the kind of technical element of that and very focused on the data side. So our um, technical account management team, for example, work really closely with the client to understand what data they've got, source that, bring it into Dunhumby and, and then hand it over to our data engineers who process it and make it available to our data scientists and our products and services. So it was very focused on kind of the engagement with clients. My team really spans the globe. It, we have a big base in UK, in India, in Gagaon, just outside Delhi, and also in the US. And then we've got technical account management uh, managers dotted around the world directly working with clients. Um, In my new role, 
I'm going to have nobody report to me. So that's a big change. I know I'm going from 140 people to nobody. So annual review process will be very strange. I won't know what to do with myself (laughs) in that spare time. But uh, really what I'm trying to do with this program is deliver through the rest of the organisation. So my role will be to define what best practice at Dunhumby is around data management and data governance. And that's for client data, data that we get directly from customers, our own kind of corporate data and uh, things like HR data. So it's a whole enterprise. Um, And the idea really is that we know there's a load of kind of legislation and there's a lot of hygiene factors and, you know, boxes that we need to tick to make sure we're compliant. But really, data management, data governance could take us beyond that to be really able to innovate and and grow as a business at pace and we need to make sure that it's enabling that so we're treating all that data with the right level of respect and security and we're doing what our customers would expect us to do with their data but we're able to still innovate and and grow as a business and that doesn't become a kind of a hindrance and ultimately hopefully it will become a competitive advantage for us. It feels like basically you're still staying at the same company, but it feels like you're going to have so much change and I, I bet mm. it's going to be very refreshing. So I'm a big advocate of squiggly careers and, you know, so it's the, this idea of not always climbing the career ladder, but moving laterally as well. And it feels like you're definitely making a move towards a different direction. Am I right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and it's been a really conscious decision. I've been doing the head of data role for two years, 18 months of that through a pandemic. The role has been very focused on people management and helping my team through that period. And it's been incredibly rewarding, but really exhausting as well. And, and, you know, it has a big kind of emotional toll when we've had such a difficult period. And so I really consciously wanted to make a change and and give myself an opportunity to dive into a subject again and get really into something in detail and really uh, kind of have an opportunity to learn and do training and, and get into a subject and spend a bit less time on the kind of the people management because that's been the majority of my time for the last two years. So I was really looking for a change. Definitely. I can see how leading a team of 150 people can be very difficult during the pandemic. Alison, something that striked me when we first spoke was that your background is in history and then you ended up managing a team of, as you said, 150 data professionals and well, technical account managers as well. And how did that happen? Yeah, it's definitely not the most traditional route into data and data science. <laughs> Um, so you're right, I did, my degree was in history and I, I specialised in modern political and economic history and I loved it. I chose the subject because it was something I was interested in and I thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to be more likely to do well and spend the time on it if I'm interested in it. And I didn't really have an idea of what I wanted to do after university. So I thought, well, focus on something I'm, I enjoy and I find fascinating. So I did my degree. I then took a year out and uh, did some traveling and did some teaching abroad. And then I came back and started looking for graduate programs. And really, I was looking for an organization that wanted to invest in me and invest in a graduate that had, you know, an an aptitude for learning and, and a lot of 
broad skills, but not necessarily a vocational qualification. So I wanted a company that would recognize the benefits of that and invest in training and giving me a career path. And thankfully, I came across Dunhumby, which was a very small company. This was like 17 years ago. So there's only about 250 people in the business then. It's about 10 times that now. So I applied for the graduate program and they placed me into data engineering. So I had a kind of crash course in coding and learning all the the fundamentals of data management and you know how to build data solutions, how to code, how to transform data and also I did rotation so I got to kind of do some work in media and targeting some of the data science work, even some product engineering. So it was a really great start and foundation to the rest of my career. Yeah, so I love the fact that, you know, through some graduate programs, you can definitely find your space and then grow in a career. And so you started at Dunhamby, you at Dunhamby now. Have you always been there? Nearly always. <laughs> so I, I did that, the graduate program and I did that for about two years, ended up continuing in the data engineering team. And then I I did actually leave and work for a charity for about a year and a half. I'd always been really interested in working in the charity sector or public sector. And I made the move and I, it was a fantastic organization to work for. I learned a lot and I, I really enjoyed it. And I really loved the, the kind of the mission and the culture. But I realized that I was quite early on in my career and actually I was I really benefited from being in an environment like Dunhumby where I was learning a lot from a lot of experts. I was surrounded by incredibly bright people who were really experimenting with technology and data science and working in a company that was going through a huge amount of growth commercially meant that there was a lot of opportunities and I could really develop my career much much more quickly in, in that kind of environment so I decided to go back to Dunhumby and I was lucky we were at the point of just rolling out across many more markets there was a huge amount of work to be to get on with so I, I got a role there in that um, kind of working on international expansion and then continued in Dunhumby since then I've been very lucky in that I've done lots of different roles even within the data team and had lots of different experiences. It sounds like a, a very varied career <laughs> so how did you know your background in history impact your career? You did join Dunhumby and they trained you in data engineering and other aspects of data but did you have a case of imposter syndrome or something like that? I think throughout my career I've always felt kind of the odd one in the room. In the early days it was because I was surrounded by people that had maths degrees and science degrees and were incredibly capable kind of technically and had a real focus on on attention to detail and then more recently in my career where I've been in more roles surrounded by kind of leadership in different areas so not necessarily technical leadership more business leadership I've still felt like the odd one in the, the areas that I focus on and the thing the, the, the things that I think about when we're having discussions and having meetings, kind of my train of thoughts tends to be quite different from the other people in the room. And I think that uh, I, I definitely have suffered from imposter syndrome um, over the years, particularly because I'm in a, a technical role and I've been in the, in the technical teams um, through my career, but I have not got that technical background. 
I, I think really the reason I've been successful in those roles has been because of the other skills I've brought to the table. So I've I believe that empathy is hugely important in all the roles that I've done, being able to really understand what the client's trying to get to and, and how their customers respond and, and thinking about other people's perspective has been really, really important to my success. And also things like really good communication skills, being able to bridge that gap between the technical world and the business world. And so I've been able to bring those things, but I don't have that really, really detailed and, and in-depth technical background and there's definitely been points where I felt like a fraud and that you know I'm going to be found out any moment but what I've realized probably over the last few years is that actually all those other things that I've brought to the roles they are really valuable and that's why I've been successful it's not that I've managed to kind of pull the wool over someone's eyes and, and convince them I'm good at the job it's like no actually I've done a good job because of those things and I need to recognize the value in those I love that so definitely you know we all bring something different to the table because we're all we all we are all different in the end and it is sometimes we tend to focus so much on all these skills that other people have and that are different than than ours and we don't realize that our differences are actually making a difference yeah I love that so would you say maybe if someone is having these case of I don't feel like I belong here because I've got a different background the key thing for them would be to really focus on what they're bringing to the table. Yeah, absolutely. I think that one of the things that really made a difference to me, which we talked about briefly, actually, uh, last time we talked, was around this kind of personality profile thing I did called um, uh, Insights Profile. And the purpose of this is to look at what your preferences are in the way that you work. So what are the things that motivate you? How do you like to communicate? How do you like to consume information? How do you engage with other people? And there's four groups and, and it shows how you index against all of them. So there's there's no idea that everyone's in one of those four boxes. It's, you know, there's one area that maybe is more your comfort zone and then other areas that complement that. And what that really helped me understand was that all four of those groups and those sets of preferences have value in in a business and well and in and in life in in any kind of context because they're each bringing a different perspective that helps you get to a much more holistic understanding of a, a situation or help you make a decision that considers lots of different aspects and what i've found is that i tend to be surrounded by people that are from a technical perspective, very detail orientated, very, very keen on having lots of information to be able to make decisions. And I'm surprisingly being in data, I'm almost the other end. I'm very much based on kind of instinct and really need enough information to make a decision, but kind of feel sort of paralyzed when I have too much, too much information to, to get through. And then from a leadership perspective, I'm very focused on people and the impact of decisions on people and how people might respond and react to situations. Whereas a lot of my peers are very focused on the kind of the commercial impact, which I do have an appreciation of, but my, my instinct or my first way of thinking about things and looking at things is, is from a different angle. And in the past, I've always felt like that was a bad thing and that I should be emulating those other people and thinking more like they think. And actually, what I realized was that 
being different and thinking about things from a different perspective is hugely valuable because it means you have that rounded discussion and you do start to consider things that other people haven't considered and that there's real value to that. So definitely for anyone in their career who's maybe feeling that they're surrounded by people that think about things in a different way from them, that's not a bad thing. That means that you're bringing a fresh perspective and a a different set of ideas to the table. So really try and understand like what is it that's unique about the way you're thinking about things and really see the value in that. This is such an important thing to have because, you know, we hear very often these teams that are stuck in this loop trying to find a solution, but they're always trying to approach the solution the same way because they all think the same. So having someone who thinks differently, having this diversity of thoughts is very, very important to to move forward. I did a similar test uh, as yours, and it was funny to see how people are thinking, even outside of the data team, because as data professionals, especially in analytics, we tend to interact with other teams very often. And that, that means such a broad range of people and backgrounds and different ways of thinking. And what I found very valuable with that test was really, you know, sometimes you try to explain something to someone. And then they don't get it. And you're thinking, why are you not getting it? This is a simple explanation. But because they think differently, it means they understand things differently. So knowing what profile the person I had in front of me helped me really rephrase what I was saying for where that would be easier for them to understand, I guess, and wouldn't have come straight away to my mind. Did you feel that taking this test shifted a bit the way you were collaborating with your colleagues? Yeah, hugely, hugely. I did two things with it that I think really made a big difference. The first one was I spent some time reading my manager's profile and really understanding the way that he works, how he likes to be presented with information, what his preferences are. And that was really eye-opening. Some of the, the ways that we'd been working together that weren't working very well and that I had found very frustrating suddenly made sense. And I could really understand where he was coming from and why he was asking for the things he was asking for or the way he was making decisions that I didn't necessarily agree with. I suddenly understood the background and, and why he was doing that. And so that was incredibly helpful. I think that really step changed the way that I worked with him and meant that when I was, if I needed his support or help, I understood better how to explain things and how to position things. He really understood them and could help me. So that made a really big difference. And then the other thing, kind of on the reverse side, I did a session with my direct reports where we all we'd all done the the profile and then we summarized some of the key aspects. So what is it what's the way that we like to collaborate? Things like do we, you know, do we like to work in groups and kind of do workshops or do we prefer to work on our own and then kind of come back to review things how do you want to consume information those kind of key elements and again that was really eye-opening and you could start to understand people's behaviors and and why what was driving that and then think about how to get the best out of everybody going forward and also quite interestingly look at what the gaps were so we were um, a kind of small data leadership team five of us so we did have some gaps so we could look at all those those four different preference groups and start to think okay what what are the gaps that we've got and how could we potentially plug those gaps by bringing other people in to talk about certain things or if we're making 
big strategic decisions, how do we make sure we're, we're thinking it through holistically? We could bring someone in to help kind of provide some of those insights and, and approaches that we weren't covering with our preferences. So it was, it was really, really valuable and really helped us kind of understand how we work together as a team. I love that. <laughs> Do you have any any tips for professionals who have to work with people who think differently or have different personality types? I would definitely encourage people to spend some time understanding the people that they're working with, talking to them. Simple things like whenever I have someone new join my team and um, report, in, especially if they report into me, I have a conversation right at the start to say, how do you prefer to be managed? How do you prefer to communicate? How do you prefer me to send you information? Or if I need to ask you to do something, you know, what's your preference? Do you want to have a conversation about it? Do you want me to write you an email first and then have the conversation? And I think that spending the time doing that up front is going to save you a huge amount of time down the line where you're not kind of you, you've not got confusion and misalignment and frustration and you know relationships hopefully won't break down which which they can do even in the work environment so i think spending that time up front and just having open conversations there's, there's nothing wrong with asking somebody these questions so doing that up front i think is, is going to be really invaluable down the line Agreed. And as a last question, I would like to know what is it that you read or listen to to help you develop in your career and in your personal development? I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, I definitely find that talking about kind of learning styles and how we like to consume information. I definitely find podcasts a really good way to consume information more than kind of articles and things like that. I think it's incredibly helpful when you're on the go and commuting to be able to just kind of put your earphones in and listen to things. So um, I listen to a lot of podcasts. So I listen to your podcast, Women in Data. It's definitely one of my favorites. The the guests oh, you've had you. have been, it's been such a great podcast to listen to in terms of kind of hearing about people's career paths, but also hearing some, just some tips around kind of specific roles and areas of the industry. So that, and, and it's, very inspiring some of the guests you've had on so I listened to that some of the other kind of industry ones there's uh, one I came across from a ex-Dunhumby person called Hub and Spoken um, they're just short podcasts um, on different kind of technical areas the customer insight leadership as well I listened to which is again a kind of industry one has different people on talking about their careers and their roles and then I listened to a lot of broader podcasts that are not necessarily about kind of data or technical industry. The Harvard Business Review do a, a lot of good series. There's one called Ideacast, which I really like, which is really varied and subject. They do one called Coaching Real Lead Leaders, which I found really useful as I took on kind of uh, leadership roles and managing big teams. And then I actually don't do a huge amount of reading around kind of in-depth technical subjects. My role hasn't really needed it over the last few years, but I, I would, I, I definitely want to do more of that when I've got kind of more time and get back into some subjects in more detail. What I would love, which I haven't yet come across, is a podcast that gives you a bit of a cheat sheet on kind of new technologies and new approaches that's quite accessible for people that aren't in-depth every day if you come across something like that or you know any, any of your listeners have any recommendations I would love to hear that this is funny because I'm trying to upskill and learn Python 
And last week I was thinking, okay, so you know, there, there are all these challenges of five minutes of learning every day, which I don't think you can actually learn Python five minutes every day. But, you know, I was thinking maybe you can try, who knows, doesn't hurt. And I was thinking, is there a podcast or a YouTube channel that has five minutes of Python thing? And I couldn't find that. So someone has an idea in time out there and feel like doing that. I, I think there is an audience. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We need to crowd some uh, recommendations or have some have people kind of fill those gaps. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Alison, for joining me on the podcast today. Oh, thank you for having me. It was a real pleasure to talk to you. It was. Thank you for listening to the Women in Data podcast. We will be back in a couple of weeks with a new guest. Until then, if you have two minutes, it would be great if you could leave us a rating or a review as it helps not only to make the podcast more visible, but also to enhance the content. If you don't want to miss the next episode, follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We are also on LinkedIn. And if you wish to, you can even register to the community for free. All you have to do is head to womenindata.co.uk. Have a great day.